He could just about make out the muddy waters of the Volan flowing past the Beatrix Spring Rotunda. It was too good to last. The forecast says it's going to carry on raining all week. You're the one who wanted to take the waters. We'll just have to go to the pictures. This was a conversation Simon had overheard the previous evening from the neighbouring table in the hotel restaurant. A retired couple, the wife shaking her head over the menu, the husband hiding behind Le Dauphiné. The front page was taken up with the news of the death of a well-known film producer, pictured sporting a dazzling display of dentures and a glitzy starlet on each arm. Simon tucked into his vichyssoise and fillets of sole and saved the apple for later, which is to say, now. He bit into it, a little flowery. Disappointed, he put it down and went into the bathroom. He had still not worked out the shower. It was a toss-up between freezing cold or boiling hot water. Perhaps because his body sensed that it had already been deserted, it refused to respond to his brain's orders. The glass tumbler slipped from his hands and smashed on the tile floor. He knocked his elbow, banged his knee and cut himself shaving. All he saw in the mirror now was the outline of a blurred face seeking anonymity. A dab of aftershave, and that was it. Done. He changed his underwear out of respect for the people who would soon be dealing with his corpse. Once dressed, he paced a few steps from the window to the bed, from the bed back to the window. Then he took the skipping rope out of its packaging. The brightly coloured box showed a little girl in a pink dress, playing in a daisy-strewn meadow. He had bought it the day before, in the souvenir shop next to the hotel, just before it closed. The shop assistant had smiled at her last, curious sale of the day. The rope was white, with red handles. He tested its strength by tugging on it sharply. Made in China, he read with suspicion. Then he placed the chair underneath the frosted glass ceiling light with its stylized tulips and clambered onto it. He carefully tied one end of the rope around the hook on the ceiling and looped the other around his neck. He was perfectly calm. He was not quite sure what to do with his hands. He clasped them behind his back and waited, wearily watching the raindrops streaking down the windowpane. Maybe it was sleeping too long beside his mother's cold body, or else it was the permanently damp atmosphere that had made Bernard feel so out of sorts, stiff, sniffling, fuzzy-headed, What was it with these old folk, loading their dirty work onto him as if he were some mule? It was a good thing Fiona and Violette had stayed put. Still, hey-ho, better get on with the job. The lift took Bernard up to the fourth floor. The doors opened and a bell pinged. The corridor was empty. His footsteps were muffled by the brown, leaf-patterned carpet which seemed to go on forever. 401, 402... 403. He sneezed and then blew his nose as quietly as he could. 404, 405, 406. He was a couple of minutes early. Monsieur Maréchal was a stickler for punctuality. He waited. Water dripped off his cagoule onto his shoes. Eight o'clock on the dot. Very gently, he turned the handle of the door which opened without the slightest creak. Just as planned, Monsieur Maréchal was standing on the chair, facing the window, 
hands behind his back like a naughty schoolboy made to stand in the corner. He hadn't flinched, though he knew Bernard had come in. To guts. Apart from a ripple along the curtain folds, nothing moved. It was like looking at a photograph. Snatches of conversation from the road outside, a shrill laugh, a car door slamming, an engine starting up. The last sound jolted Bernard into action. Two steps forward, he closed his eyes and kicked the chair from under Monsieur Marichal's feet. A cracking sound, but no cry. Just the crash of the chair on the floor and a whoosh of displaced air. Bernard remembered a wooden puppet he had had when he was little. He pulled a string and its arms and legs jigged about. He waited until all he could hear was a rhythmic creaking that grew softer and softer before he opened one eye. One of Simon's shoes had fallen off, an expensive loafer deformed by a bunion.